Welcome to Walk in Wisdom. My name is Michael, and I spend my time hanging out with teenagers and young adults at my church, helping them to see Jesus as their king. This podcast is intended to help them consider what it means to live wisely in light of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. For the 2020-21 to 21 school year, we'll be releasing two episodes a month. The first will typically be a conversation between myself and a group of older teens centered around an overarching theme in the Bible. Then I'll come back a couple weeks later with a guest for a one-on-one discussion. So let's see how we can walk in wisdom today. Welcome back to Walk in Wisdom. I am here this evening with Jenna and Josiah, our regular contributors. Tonight, we want to be considering the topic of creation, in particular, looking at the idea of creation across the Bible. So for you two, when you hear someone mention creation um, from a biblical perspective, what are your first thoughts? Yeah, for me, I think uh, uh, generally, it definitely just comes back to Genesis, because I think a lot of like a lot of over the summer, a little bit now, um, I've really been getting into um, guys like Frank Turek and uh, William Lane Craig and apologetics and everything like that. And primarily, I mean, anytime you talk about creation, uh, it's always going back to Genesis one, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes from there talking about the seven days of creation. Um, uh, so yeah, so generally, like anytime you talk about creation, I think immediately back to Genesis. But also on top of that, just kind of like creation as in a, um, uh, as in a, uh, uh, I guess, uh, proving, again, not that God has to be proved, but a support for the existence of God. I totally agree with you, Josiah. Um, it's, it, yeah, it goes all, uh, it goes back to Genesis 1 um, and just the creation of the world and of the universe and of the solar system and everything as we know it. Um, I think what amazes me is just the outrageous creativity of, of, of what God made, the intricacy. Um, you know, you're, you mentioned the apologetics and there is a very strong case for um, for creator when you look at creation, when you look at how finely tuned everything is. Um, so yeah, creation is something that while we love to speculate it, we can never recreate it um, because I mean, it's just not going to happen, which I think adds to the intrigue and also to the um, amazing, fantastic you know, fantasticness of it. Yeah. So that's interesting. Like, I think a lot of us, when we start talking about creation, it's very easy to focus in on what happens in the very beginning in Genesis. Um, what I'm kind of trying to just draw your attention to in this episode is the idea that creation is not just a one-time thing at the beginning of the Bible. Creation is a theme that we see repeated throughout scripture. For example, when the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt, God calls them out. He creates a people for himself. He brings them to a land. He's created this new nation that's meant to worship him. And much like Adam and Eve, they decide not to go along with the plan. The Israelites eventually um, fail at that. They um, turn away. We have from the book of Joshua, when they first enter the land, um, the next book immediately after is the book of Judges, which is basically described this way. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So God was not their king anymore. 
And yet, God keeps going with these people. Um, we eventually see David installed as the king, um, the king, a man after God's own heart. And we see instead a new creation as God renews this kingdom and renews them with this man. Um, but yet again, we see um, sin enters the picture. They move away. The creation's broken. This kind of continues in a few cycles through the Old Testament. And in some ways, every time they get a little bit farther and farther away from the ideal. Until we get to this thing we call the New Testament. Um, and we look at John 1 in particular. Um, John has some definite references to the Genesis creation and introduces Jesus, introduces Jesus' incarnation um, by tying him into the creation of the world and by really showing that Jesus' incarnation is yet another creative act. We don't want to say that Jesus himself was created. Jesus was um, and is and will be. Um, he is God. But yet that act of incarnation is a little bit of a creative act where God becomes man. And what we see then building through that is that when we get into the New farther into the New Testament after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, Paul starts using this term, the new creation. Um, he uses that really in some ways to define what a Christian is. So if you consider yourself as a new creation, the fact that in order to be a Christian, God has had to do something new deep inside you to change you, to make you a new person, how does that change how you relate to God? So I'm kind of speaking based on what comes to my head first, I guess. <laughs> um, but I think realizing that God has created something new in us, because the verse comes to mind that we have died to our old self, so we have died to our sin, and that we are a new creation, but it's almost like an undoing of our old selves it's not just the uh, it's not just a blanket over top of our old selves it's a complete washing of the blanket and that is our new self it's still our, our same body but god is starting something new in our soul um but realizing that realizing that we're a new creation i think it gives a whole nother accountability that we have to god to realizing that for one, we were created by God. We were created in his image. Um, and of course, you know, understanding that I am God's because he created me, that's, that's one sense of accountability. But then to realize, oh no, he then, even though I was still his and he was allowed to do anything that he wants with me, out of love, he sent Christ to die for my sins and to create me as... Um, his child completely out of love is first off mind blowing, but also gives that second sense. It's like, okay, so that means that any of my desires should be completely nullified here. That means that if Christ, if God created me and then Christ bought me, then I am 200%, 500%, a thousand percent like God's. I mean, I'm like, that should completely reorient my desires and um, my passions and, you know, my daily thoughts is, is just that I should be striving to live for God. Again, not, not out of trying to repay in any sense, because we don't earn, earn our salvation through works, um, but just completely out of astonishment and awe and love for God. 
just realizing that there really is nothing else that we can do um, but love him and live for him uh, because of what he's done in our lives. I, when you were talking, Josiah, the, um, just the whole picture of baptism, um, you know, comes to mind of, um, especially the verse from Romans, um, six, um, which reads, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. Um, just the thing that we we died when we give ourselves our life um our goals and ambitions everything to christ we die with him we take um <laughs> we take what he he did on the cross not like it's when you think about it, it's so crazy that we ourselves didn't die. We didn't have to die the gruesome death that Jesus did. And yet we get to have the newness of life that Jesus, you know, won for us, um, that he defeated death for us. And just being able to partake in that, I think, is just like that whole thing of the newness and the, the creation. We are a new creation. We are new in Christ. Um, I, I, I love that. It's, it, that's the gospel right there of just like God came to die for us so that we could we could live with him and it, it's really cool I have I have no other words because it speaks for itself yeah even the idea of that phrase new creation implies something about the fact that it's the work that God has done because um, as you mentioned earlier Jenna we can't create anything um, that isn't already at least there. We can change things, but we aren't creating anything out of nothing. And God is creating life from the dead, essentially. Uh, if you look at uh, Ephesians 2, um, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So we weren't even alive, but God, being rich in mercy, um, has made us alive in Christ. Um, so there's that sense in which we, if you're trying to like earn your way towards God, it's like, no. To, to get there, John 3, you must be born again. You must be recreated in order to be with God. And that work's done. Um, if you are a Christian, you are a new creation. And I think that should change how we live too, is that it's, yes, we need to obey. Yes, we need to love God. But the it's been turned on its head. We're now obeying and loving God because we are a new creation and we're capable of it. And we want to, as opposed to we're doing it so that we get to God. God came to us first. And that's kind of ridiculously amazing. Yeah, something that's been like a huge eye-opener for me for like the past five, six years. And something that God's developed that's been, you know, helping me to grow in him more. Uh, is the fact that, yes, like when I became a Christian, I, I became a new creation, but there's also that sense of, you know, I'm still a sinner and God is still sanctifying me and is still like, like Christ's death. Isn't just a one-time thing. It's a, a, an understanding of knowing that, yes, I am forgiven and 
Christ offers that forgiveness no matter how many times I fail, because I am going to fail so many times. And no matter how hard I try, I know I can't, I can't be righteous on my own and I need God's forgiveness and understanding that it's like, I'm a new creation in him. But that means yesterday when I fail and even today, then I fail. And then even I go back to him again. And it's just, it's a continually, you know, continually understanding that I'm forgiven and God developing me and sanctifying me uh, through the process of forgiveness. Charles Spurgeon quote of this episode. I don't know that that's actually going to be a real feature of this podcast, but Charles Spurgeon quote of this episode. Jesus finds sinners in all their defilement, rebellion, and iniquity, and he deals with them just as they are. Jesus saves sinners. The simple profundity of that statement is mind-blowing. Like, it's so simple and yet, like, so deep. Um, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's that thing of Jesus came to save us as we were. And not only did he save us, like, he, but when he saved us, he set us free from the, um, from from sin he we are no longer enslaved i'm i'm using using romans here again um romans 6 it's it uses the thing of we the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin you know we don't have to live that way we have been set free and like just i was saying that doesn't mean we don't you know we don't sin it's it's human nature it's sinful nature um but it's just that thing of jesus came to save us as we were to be made so that we could be made more like him wanting nothing in return it, it's just uh, yeah there's 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 so much to wrap your mind around within just that thing of he came to save us to make us more like him respect like expecting nothing in return you know expecting us to make mistakes and to sin and to walk away and to come like yes you just it's it's just so much to handle you can't handle it yeah no totally totally it's like it's it it seems so simple but whenever you get into like the depth of it, you, you can't say it enough. And, and again, it's like the thing that we need to be reminded of again and again and every day. Um, but the verse that came to mind um, uh, is when Jesus says, I'm reading from Luke five here. Uh, whenever, you know, the Pharisees come in, they're like, Oh, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I think on top of that is just understanding that's like, it's not like God came not knowing that I was going to fail after hearing the gospel, but knowing that I was going to fail after hearing the gospel, after hearing the good news, after knowing that I should not be living for anything else but him, he still died and he still took my sin on that cross. 
And because of that, I'm still forgiven. That's crazy news, guys. But again, it's something we got to be reminded of every day. And it is amazing. Part of me is considering whether or not this needs to become a video podcast so that you all can watch Jenna's um, enthusiastic gesturing, um, both when she's speaking and when Josiah is speaking. So we've talked a little bit about the idea of new creation in us, um, but God also promises to end this world with something new, and yet another creation we're seeing. So we see creation from the beginning all the way through the Bible, and it's kind of bookending um, the Bible as we create at the end, and cre- or creates the beginning, creates at the end again. We have another creation. Um, when we see um, at the end of Revelation, when the new heavens and the new earth and new Jerusalem comes down from above. Um, so how can we be certain of that end, the fact that God will create something new in us, or create something new in the entire world eventually? How can we be certain of that, and how does knowing the end change how we live today? Well, I don't think I was quite prepared for the how do we know that this is coming. I think I can have confidence in, in it because I know God said it. But I can have confidence. Oh, I'm not going to get into that whole long sentence. <laughs> but I know that God tells the truth because we can point back to um, everything that God has said that he will do in the past. Um, and we have seen him fulfill such as everything in Jesus, you know. Jesus is always pointing back um, to the Old Testament, to the scriptures, um, and, 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 you know, and every, and you, especially in Mark, you know, he shows, he lays it all out. So he shows that Jesus is a fulfillment of what the Israelites could not be. Um, long explanation to say God tells the truth <laughs> and we can see through the, through, throughout the Bible um, and we can have confidence thus knowing that, okay, that's been fulfilled thus god's probably telling the truth here as well so we can have confidence knowing um that he is going to come and he is going to restore us um to who we should be yeah like just i was saying it's um that thing of because we've known what has happened we can you know be like we can be sure for the future um but i think even going back to the mind-blowingness of Jesus coming, Jesus came to save us and to bring us home with him. And if he was willing to go through um, all of that so that we could, we could be with him. And it's not because he needed us at all. He did not need us. He is self-sufficient. He, he did not need mere mortals to be with him forever and eternity. Um, but out of love and kindness, he came so that we could be there. And so if he's willing to do all of that and, to, and willing to keep loving us and pursuing us and keep on fighting for us, then why would we want to, like, why would we doubt ourselves that he's also preparing a place for us? You know, he, he already died for us. You know, he already made us alive in him. You know, why would we, why would we want to doubt that he's also preparing a place for us with him? Um, And so with that confidence of, look, he's already done so much in my life personally, and he already loves me so much of what he already did in the past. Like Josiah was saying, like, why wouldn't he? He's a loving God and you can trust him and take him at his word, at his truth. Um, 
And with that, it's the thing of this world kind of falls away when, when looking forward to an, an eternity with him, with, with the creator of the universe. Um, it, it, not that it, you know, it should make us live each day here um, as disciples of him and really um, spreading his news and living as if every day he comes back, we want to hear those words, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. Like that should be what we're striving for on a daily basis. Um, and I'm guilty of not doing that. I'm guilty of getting into the mundane of, oh, I will live until, you know, the national average of 78 years old. You know, I've, I've years, I've thousands of days. Um, and, and not living every day as if, hey, I could die tomorrow. Jesus could come back next week. You know, it, it's, it's, yeah. So I, yeah. That's a great point. Cause it's like, you know, we're not promised the next hour like God doesn't have to let us live for another hour. Um, and you know, whether our time here on earth is either, uh, ended by us dying or by Jesus coming, honestly, we, we really can't know when that's going to be. And honestly, that's, that's no, that's just a great point. Cause then that's like, okay, so that's really going to change how I'm living now and understanding that um, that God is going to make me something new. I think that kind of changes my motivation for every day is realizing, okay, God has promised a, a, an incredible, just amazing future with him then don't I want to share this with others as well? Like understanding that I might not have tomorrow to share, to share this, this great news with others that I'm going to want to get out there. And even if it's just the little, it doesn't have to be through robust conversations that you have just by walking up to some random guy on the street, you just be in little comments or just the way that I act in my daily life. And just on top of that, remembering that whatever, everything on this, like you said, like everything about this world is going to fade away. So everything that I'm pursuing on this world is going to pale in comparison to living with Christ one day, knowing that honestly, whatever, you know, career I pursue or anything here on earth, it's not even going to matter. And ultimately that, I want to be spreading the news of the gospel with as many people as possible, knowing that, you know, maybe it's just that one little conversation that God can use to start something and that God can ultimately uh, bring them with him in the end. There's an interesting point in there where you're talking about like, you don't know if you have the next hour or the next day is that, we have nothing from God to tell us what is going to happen tomorrow or next year or any point in our lives, but we do know how it ends. We just don't know how we're going to get there. So 
Any final thoughts on the nature of creation um, in the Bible? Well, I just had a quick point. I just think that it's kind of uh, beautiful seeing um, the idea of creation is another thing that God uh, continually, um, uh, I guess, renews and brings up throughout the Bible. Like we can see, there are a lot of things like um so like, you know, the example of Mark comes to mind again of how the Israelites, you know, went to Mount Sinai and failed. Jesus went up on the mountain. He didn't fail. That, that kind of poetic um, consistency through the Bible, how you can, how that kind of translates over to creation as well as the sense of creation of the earth and the physical. And then Jesus comes in and there's a creation of the spiritual as well. And I just think that's kind of cool. I'm just kind of showing that God's always with us. God's always working. Um, and, you know, we can just see from beginning to ultimately in the end, our future is God's, God doesn't stop working and God is continually with us. Yeah. It's that, that kind of what I was going to say too, is just like the the whole thing with Jesus, the Bible begins with God creating the universe and, um, and the earth and the solar system and everything. And Revelation closes with that too. Um, it closes with Jesus is coming. Um, and this is from Revelation 21. Um, and it says, you know, behold, I'm making um, all things new. Write this down and for these words are trustworthy and true. Um, and so, like, that thing of, like, we can trust him, his, his words are true, and then um, finally, in the last chapter, um, Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Drop the mic. I know. <laughs> Seems like a good place to end. So next time we'll be back, we'll be having a similar conversation about a theme in the Bible. We'll be looking at the idea of covenant and kingdom together um, next time. So tune in then to hear that discussion and to find out if I have another Charles Spurgeon quote for the episode. Hint, I like Charles Spurgeon. See you next time. Thanks for joining us on Walk in Wisdom. I'll be back soon with another great conversation about following Jesus. Until then, open your Bibles and walk in wisdom. <laughs>